0: This is episode 115 of the Rising Man podcast with Alex Levy. It takes courage to grow up and become who you really are. Blessings and good rising to you, Rising Man family. Jetty Azuma here coming to you live from the California lockdown, bringing you another installment of the Rising Man podcast because ain't no pandemic going to slow us down, you heard? If we are meeting for the first time, allow me to introduce myself. I am the host of this podcast and the founder of the Rising Man movement. Our mission here at Rising Man is to initiate an entire generation of men. We believe this is how we as men can make the greatest impact on the future of humanity none of it would be possible without community without culture so before we start today i want to invite you to become a greater part of this rising man family whether you're returning for your 10th 20th 30th listen to the rising man podcast or you're here for the first time i want to encourage you to go check out risingman.org all of our content events and information is living over at our website now so if you're looking for men's initiations men's gatherings online men's circles and trainings that we offer to prepare you to be the man you've always wanted to be then go check it out over at risingman.org. We got a ton of things going on. And for all of you guys locked in on quarantine, now is the time to really lean in and become your best self, all right? Because at some point, they're gonna open up the doors and you wanna be ready to charge out the gates. Trust me. Okay, let me introduce my guest for today. Alex Levy is an Oracle Deck author, spiritual life coach, and teacher of intuition. Leaving the world of theater for the mysterious world of intuition, healers, and spirituality, he's blended a system of his own. BuzzFeed featured Alex as one of seven male oracle card readers, keeping Instagram woke AF. He's also been featured in Kindred Spirit Magazine, Unity Online Radio, and his new podcast, The Spirit Guided Life. Alex's goal is to encourage empaths, spiritual rebels, seekers, and lightworkers to step into their power of wholeness and ultimate potential. In this episode, for the first time on The Rising Man, we discuss the experience of a homosexual man entering the world of men's work. We discussed the myriad of possible experiences of being a man, and how similar we all are despite sexual orientation. We discussed why men fear being thought of as homosexual, bisexual, or anything outside the heteronormative culture, and the healing potential of men's work, especially when dealing with wounds dealt by other men. We talked about pop culture and the media's role in how we perceive the LGBTQA community, how we can create an environment where gay men feel free to express and be their true selves, and how my common misconceptions that straight men hold towards gay men. And last but not least, how being solid in your core beliefs will greatly relieve resistance. Without further ado, Mr. Alex Levy. All right, all you risers out there, I have another man joining me for another conversation today. My brother, Alex Levy, coming in from Atlanta, Georgia. Hot Atlanta. how you doing, bro?
1: Hey, Jetty, I'm doing great. And thank you so much for having me. It's truly an honor to be a part of this this podcast and sharing space with you and your audience.
0: You got it, man. Well, it's an honor to have you here and grateful that you stepped up to be a part of this conversation that I've wanted to have today, which is you as a as a gay man, who is part of our rising man fire circles, who's in this men's work space and container, I've had a lot of people offline approach me and say, Hey, how come you aren't speaking to the homosexual community or the gay guys? You know, they're listening, but they felt like they're being underrepresented in our conversations. I said, you know what, you're right. And in thinking about that, I realized, wow, there's a lot I don't know as a as a straight man seeing the world through a gay man's eyes. So I'm glad that you agreed to come on here today so we can have a very, you know, very naked, honest discussion about your experience as a gay man, especially in these spaces. So looking forward to it, man.
1: Me too. Thanks. You know, I have to say at first, I was a little nervous. It's, uh, I've been interviewed before, but never this kind of, like you said, naked about like my my personal experience, but this is an important conversation. And I think I'm, I'm glad and grateful that you're creating this space for us to, to have this talk.
0: Yeah. Awesome, man. Well, then let's let's fire it up. Let's start where we start every conversation we have here. And what is the difference for you between a boy and a man?
1: I ask myself this question a lot because I'm a huge fan of the show. And I was talking to a mentor of mine and a buddy, you know, Jack Rubin. And I was like, "Jack, I don't know what to say. <laughs> like this this question is such a big question and so I'm still not sure I have the perfect answer for this. But I think what I'm coming to find is that the difference between a boy and and is boys, I think, often try to prove themselves. And I don't think men need to prove themselves anymore." Part of it means to be a man is to fear less, not ignore our fears, but be willing to foster that fear, and step into a more empowered space.
0: Mm. Hmm. I like that. I said this is a little bit of a different answer than I've heard here before. So, thinking about that element of proving oneself. I agree. I think showmanship and peacocking and demonstrating our competence is definitely the mark of at least an immature man or a, a boy becoming a man. But I also know that I know men who I really see and assess to be men who are who are still out to prove something, only I think the audience that they're trying to prove it to is different. A lot of guys are trying to prove something to themselves or raise the bar to another level it's not for anyone else but themselves to better their best and so maybe that maybe that's just a little distinction around who we're proving ourselves to
1: exactly there could be a distinction and for me it's finding what it means to be a man for me is it's looking at what it means to be me first and getting the more i get to know myself and become true and and kind of peel back the layers of the core of me that's also kind of pushing me this masculine experience
0: is actually. Mm, Awesome, man. So let's let's let that be a segue. And I want to also give some context of where I'm coming from in this conversation. Uh, Because I also, I realized I haven't talked about this much on the show. I grew up in New Jersey, right outside of New York City. So there's already that East Coast mentality, especially around homosexuality. It's different from East Coast to West Coast. And I went to an all boys Catholic high school. Yeah. So the ways in which we teased each other was almost exclusively around, oh, well, you're so gay. Don't be such a faggot. No, you're such a homo. You know, that was, and it wasn't really until I got to that school or that time of my life where that became the way that boys were interacting with each other. And there were definitely students in that school who were gay who. I don't I don't remember any of them actually identifying as gay, although you could tell and some people kind of knew, but they wouldn't talk about it openly because it just felt like such a hostile environment for that. If it seemed like it was so unsafe mm-hmm. because of how we were holding it. And of course we were all boys, right? Right. So we didn't really know and that's that's just another a small shade of bullying culture. But I do believe that it it, it conditioned me to see or even to distance myself from Homosexuality, especially at that time of my life. And so I won't ever say that I've been homophobic before. I've never, at least not knowingly, maybe, maybe unconsciously around the beliefs I have or I've subscribed to from pop culture. But I've I've certainly never discriminated against gay guys. And yet I know that there's this experience of life that I imagine a gay man has that I didn't because I wasn't coming from that space. So I wonder if you could just speak to your experience because I don't really know the background of of how you were with your sexual preferences as a younger man and then evolving into them. What was it like for you like at that stage of life when you were like high school teenager?
1: I was incredibly lucky growing up. And I guess I first need to make a disclaimer and say, you know, I can't speak for the entire LGBTQ community. I only speak from my experience. But I grew up in high school late, like 98, you know, I'm dating myself, like 98, early 2000s. Mm-hmm. I came out when I was 16. I was super fortunate to go to an awesome, awesome high school. I like to explain it, it was like the Fame High School. So it was a public mm-hmm. magnet performing arts school. So it was super open. Super accepting. However, when I came out, there were really no other openly gay kids. I didn't really, there wasn't a gay straight alliance then. It was pretty much, I was one of the only few ones. But I had a really great supportive experience going through college as well earlier years it was elementary middle school like many other gay youth uh, i was uh, definitely victimized and bullied and so that that definitely happened so but for the most part of my experience in school it was i was very mm-hmm. fortunate
0: and just in terms of cuz we we've all been bullied or Discriminated against for something, I believe. At some point, I mean, if if you're poor, you get ridiculed for being poor. If you're rich, you get ridiculed for being entitled. You know, there's, everybody's get gets something, so we can all relate to that. But specifically, how did that impact you? That that type of discrimination or or being called out for your your sexuality?
1: It confused me because I didn't know what that was at that age. I had no idea what sexuality was. I I just you know wanted to play and do you know, normal kid things. Mm. You know, I, I just kind of tried to tune it out the best that I could. It definitely formed resilience. I definitely put up walls and barriers. And really till a couple of years, even very recently, it made me have a resistance to being with other men, not just straight men, but gay men in general, because of the bullying, because of the the experience mm. growing up. So doing Mm -hmm. this men's work has really helped to heal those wounds and trauma from many, many years past that that I didn't even think were an issue because I came out so young at at 16. You know, it's almost like I kind of super kind of worked through, I thought I worked through this, but there was still so much that was stuffed down and repressed that I kind of forgot was even there.
0: Mm. And that was one thing we said before we started hitting record is that <laughs> all of us who identify as men, we're, we're actually more alike than we are different, especially when it comes to if, if we just take sexuality off the table, the experiences we have are very similar. Yeah. So I can totally relate myself, and I know a lot of guys can, to having something that we were singled out for or discriminated against for or made fun of, bullied, get bullied on when we were younger, that creates an armoring or a just an unwillingness to present that part of ourselves because of how it felt when we were being bullied. And so I can understand that. I can relate to it. And I think that's an important moment to identify, especially speaking in terms of rising man culture, because we don't speak for all men, but especially what what I stand for and what we all stand for in this container is that this is a space for men to be taken care of and to take care of each other. That doesn't discriminate against sexuality or anything. I think the most important thing is that if you identify as a man, then I believe there's benefit and value from having support from other men, other men who identify as male. And this, this actually is amazing. It just came up for me last week. I had someone approach me about being a, a keynote speaker, presenter awesome. at wow. an event. And they said that this particular event is going to be well represented by members of the LGBTQ community. So how would you plan or how would you involve people who are there who identify as men or male, but were not necessarily born that way, Mm. you know, whether they're transgender, et cetera. And I said, well, listen, for me, this is where I draw the line. It's like anybody who identifies as a man and wants to be in space with other men is welcome. As long as I'm in charge, they're welcome. And in fact, if there is a circle where that's not okay, I don't really want to be there anyway. Yeah. So, and I recognize that this is, this is kind of, this conversation is coming up here. So- what what did that bring up for you? And what what has been your experience of finding your way into these spaces?
1: Well, thank you for that. And I'm excited that you're given that opportunity and for creating such a sacred space for for all people. And these the rising men circles have been so incredibly beneficial and healing. And I look forward to it. I've made some amazing connections, friendships that I never even thought would happen. So thank you for this. Mm-hmm. It's it's such an awesome incredibly awesome thing that you're doing and it's so important Mm,
0: thanks man yeah
1: so i think though that sometimes the the disconnect between the straight man and the gay man friendship or preventing us from kind of uniting and it is i think sometimes straight men think that if they get too close that others are going to perceive them as gay or that Mm -hmm. they are perhaps even underneath that they're going to be perceived as gay is that they're perceived as feminine or even weak. Mm. I think there's also maybe, and I can't speak exactly, but there's a little bit of fear that, well, what if feelings somehow more into possible, you know, sexual feelings like, in looking mm-hmm. at it like that, I think there's, there's fear.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And this is, this is really cool. Let's open it up this way. So you're, you're talking about what you believe it might be like yes. for a straight man. And I'm going to validate and confirm exactly what you're saying, that in my experience, and I know a lot of other straight men that I've known, there is that hesitance or even fear, let's call it fear, of getting close to gay men, either because of how it will be perceived or like the, the belief that there used to be back when I was in high school and even college was if you get too close to a gay guy, you might get some gay on you. Mm-hmm right? Like you might, like you exactly how you said, you might become gay. And, And also just the perception that you're seen as gay. So looking at that objectively now, as an older, you know, more mature version of myself, it's really interesting because it just demonstrates how much value we put on how other people perceive us. Yeah. Like, does that even matter? And what if it revealed to you that you did have a preference towards male companionship when it came to sexuality? Would you be more willing to deny that of yourself just because you discovered that and it's quote unquote alternative or not what you expected your sexuality to be or not what other people expect of you. So it's just another version of us denying our truth. Yeah. If we don't if we're not willing to be in that. And then of course that's so far from the truth is I have a lot of gay friends and guys who are gay and I don't feel any weaker. <laughs> I don't feel any more any anymore anything because I'm friends with certain certain guys other than if they're really solid dudes who match other values I have, I just get another really great brother in my life who can also give me a different perspective right. of what it's like to be a man in this world. right? So,
1: Yeah. And I think also what we mentioned this before we got on the call was there's also not representation in pop culture and in the media, we don't have examples of what these friendships really look like. I mean, there's perfect examples of the gay male and the straight dynamic that you see represented in shows like Will and Grace and Sex in the City. I mean, there's even the pop culture GBF, gay best friend, you know, catchphrase, which I'm not a fan of. You know, mm. but we yeah. there's not the the equal when it comes to you know straight men and gay men. We don't we don't know what that looks like. We haven't seen that, so it's only you know normal that we have that. I'm sure that straight men have this kind of resistance or or fear. Or hesitation, I, I totally understand that. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, uh, and so let me let me take the you know the responsibility back. Let me let me give you some of my perceptions of what it might be like for yeah. a gay man, because I imagine that there's a sense of intimidation from a guy who's straight. I, I don't know what that really is, but that's all I can describe it as. Is there's because when I've when I've approached gay guys and they see they see me as a straight man or that's established, there's almost like a little bit of a of a shrinking. Yeah. This isn't universal, but this is what I've experienced with some gay guys. There's like a shrinking, there's a not as much of a willingness to make contact, like a like a hug or like a you know a firm yeah. handshake or a slap on the back, something like that. And I imagine that has something to do with either that man is trying to protect me or is is so used to keeping distance between himself and a straight man or or men in general. And then also there's like a a timidness from many not all but many gay men when wanting to go a little bit deeper almost like are are we actually going to be able to relate or not is is the sense i get so any, any of that have some validity to it
1: totally rings true i mean there there has you know collectively unfortunately been a history of violence both both physical and emotional unfortunately um by straight men, those who identify as gay. And especially, you know, from my experience, there's that fear. So it's almost like, you know, is this safe? Like, am I, you know, safe with with this straight guy? That's not as prevalent as it once was. I also see something else that happens a lot. And that is, you know, I remember, I'll never forget a couple years ago, I was with a friend of mine. And I was on the phone, he was with me. We were making reservations and I was talking to the person on the other end of the phone. After I made the reservations, I hung up. He said to me, He was like, Wow, like you really put on this straight voice. Like, what was that? And I was like, What? <laughs> and then I realized it was. I was like kind of like trying to pass and, and sound straight. And I think that is something that Many gay men try to do try and downplay, you know, their quote-unquote gayness, and just want to be straight acting, so that they can just kind of not stick out.
0: Let's talk about that for a second, because it's interesting you bring up the voice. Is that is that something that gay guys do to ramp up their? gay so people know that they're that they're gay is that is, is that just a way that is there is that the nat- way you naturally want to express yourself and it just comes through more when you either before or after you you come out of the closet and and own who you really are it's it that, that was that's an interesting question i've always had is is that just your voice or is it being played up or down etc
1: i think it's, it's a big question, and I, I don't have all the answers. There's an amazing documentary sure. called, I, I believe it's called, like, Do I Sound Gay? And it explores that question deeper. Um, mm. A lot of it is our conditioning from our upbringing, from you know, certain media. And uh, I think part of it is just how we are wired. So I think it's a little bit of everything. There is definitely the notion of, of trying to, and, and, and I even see it with gay men on, on, on dating sites. You'll see on like, it'll say like masculine, masculine, which means only straight acting gay men are looking for another straight acting gay man.
0: Huh. Mm. Fascinating. And so is that, that to me, I interpret that is there's still a lot of mask wearing yeah, uh, for definitely. safety in one realm of life or another. Yeah. And that- there's a part that wants to be expressed and there's another part that and other, maybe other areas of life that just does, it's still not safe to be expressed in that way.
1: Totally. Yeah.
0: Mm. Even, even the terminology straight acting. Yeah. It's like, it's an act, it's right? An it's act. a facade. Yeah. So, and obviously I'm such a stand for authenticity and, and being genuine, being true. So it's, it's really, really interesting to, to expose that. And, and I asked myself the question, well, just like I, do when I'm talking about taking responsibility for children, the next future generations and the planet, uh, how can we take responsibility for making a more safe and more welcoming environment for, for gay men to be and choose to be exactly who they are?
1: I think it's just a matter of accepting people as who they are and kind of meeting them where they're at, no matter where they are, and just be willing to Be uncomfortable. You know, be willing to not know what to say. If that's okay, you don't have to know (laughs) the answers. You don't have to know how to act. You don't have to know what their experience is like. But it just takes a willingness to say, you know, what I'm. I'm just gonna hold space with this guy, and I'm gonna open up, and you know, be willing to chat with this person, and and see where that goes.
0: Mm. It makes me think. I've spoken about this ever since I started the podcast. That I recognize there's distinctions that we need to make in our language, especially around the word "man" and the word "masculine," and then the word "maleness." Yeah, that those in some cases for certain people are three very very different things. May only identify as one or two or three of those. And so, speaking specifically to masculinity, is it? Are are there? Gay men who are very masculine at, at, in their in their truest expression of themselves, are, are there guys like that out there because I, I I can't think of any that I know personally,
1: yeah, many. I mean, it's funny i now I feel like i'm I know more of them who who are like that versus ones who just showing up in my life who are ones mm-hmm. like you would see more represented you know as extremely feminine, you know, flamboyant mm-hmm. yeah. So definitely,
0: and do you see value in making a distinction between those three designations?
1: I do see value in it i think I think they are distinctly different, but they it's almost like they overlap together, like like the Venn diagram. it's almost like I see them living separately, but mm-hmm. they still make one so it I, I think though you know part of taking responsibility for yourself is knowing yourself, so if you're avoiding these things whether you're gay or you're straight if you're not sure you know you're only avoiding your inner true divine masculine self mm-hmm.
0: that's awesome man uh, this is such a great conversation i i, I don't I, I even forgot that we were doing an interview at one point because i feel like i'm just <laughs> getting to ask you all the questions that i've had for a long time so this is great but let's talk specifically about your involvement in the fire circle because uh and I, I know I don't think you mind me sharing this. When you you reached out to me and you you asked me about your involvement in the fire circle, you told me that you were a gay man. other yes, I think you asked, are there any gay guys who are in the circle? And it opened up a great conversation. In fact, it was the first time that I got to I got to face off with this because nobody has nobody has approached working in my space that way. And so I, I wanted to ask you to speak to what made it so that you felt safe, comfortable, excited about jumping into the fire circle, basically a men's circle. What made, what was it for you that was the shift point, the tilting point?
1: The shift point was when I was faced with a health issue, specifically my bladder. Basically, my bladder shut down. I like to say just kind of went to sleep, wasn't able to use the bathroom, and I had to undergo many medical tests, procedures. I had to learn how to use a catheter. And all of these very scary things very, and very male things forced me into uh, doing a lot of shadow work. And that shadow work was masculine energy that I had been avoiding for so long and was so kind of scared to lean into. And mm. I knew that I needed to lean into it. And that work was through men's work. I had a little bit of an experience with a different group. I didn't feel so safe. I didn't feel so welcome. So when I reached out to you, I was genuinely kind of scared. Like, hey, I'm really part of this community, but are people like me welcome? And you definitely welcome me with open arms. And from the moment I joined this Rising Man movement, it was just like, well, you know, I was treated like everybody else. And mm. I really like the small groups and then the mm-hmm. big bonfire with everybody. It allowed me, the small groups at first allowed me to kind of ease into it. I wasn't overwhelmed mm-hmm. with all of this man energy, which it is. it's it is. If you're not used to being around a lot of men, regardless of orientation, the masculine energy is powerful. I mean, it's definitely an energy that you can feel, especially in these bonfire group calls. I mean, the last one, gosh, there were, there were a lot of guys there. It was like, whoa. It's just like, it's, it's you know, I'm certainly not used to being around that many ones. It's been an amazing experience. And I have to give a shout out to my buddy, Mark, Mark Rose, who's been a huge support and mentor and all the brothers in my circle, Adam, Alex, you know, Kyle, Adam, it's just an awesome, awesome group. So it's been mm. super healing for me.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and, and in the spirit of what, we're, what we've are what we been doing in this conversation, just stripping away the details of what made it feel unsafe or made you hesitate to step into a men's circle and just a- acknowledging that there were things that made it feel awkward, uncomfortable, uncertain of what you would get and then being able to take that courageous step and and join and be a part of and and present who you are in, in the realest sense. That's, that's what every single one of us gets to do. And I, we talked about, really exposing in this conversation, just how, how similar our experiences are that for those of us who, who identify as men and who are walking forward on this path of into manhood, that every one of us has a different one. We all have different obstacles and challenges and circumstances that we must encounter and overcome. But at the root level, it's, it is, it's, it's all the same. We're all fighting similar battles.
1: Totally. And I found that so many of the beliefs that I thought I had about masculinity really had nothing to do with what actual masculinity was. It's really just kind of byproduct of this cultural programming that we've been taught. And I don't really think it's real.
0: Yeah. I like that. So tell me what you thought masculinity was like previously,
1: you know, I, well, And and this may be for some, but, you know, we, well, we have to keep a stiff upper lip, right? You know, we can't show our emotions, um, act tough, right? Uh, You have to just kind of be cool. And I think that's kind of what we're programmed from an early age. Um, And and so, yeah.
0: And what did you discover real masculinity to be or the version of masculinity that you subscribe to now?
1: That it's heart-centered. And it's rooted in authenticity. There's still an element of action though, this action-oriented, forward-moving kind of momentum of an energy that I'm finding and I'm noticing in other men and myself. There's this positive forward-moving energy that, that men have. But I'm finding it's it's so much more heart-centered mm. than I ever thought.
0: It's mm. such an interesting thing to have a definition of masculinity that is not heart-centered. You know, if we go to the opposite end of the spectrum that has no emotions attached to it, no heart in it, and some of the men I respect the most are the guys who can take the big heart that they have in their chest and put action and strategy and purpose behind it. In fact, I think that's what allows some of the greatest men we've ever had in history to, to do something that's so compelling is... You know, the greatest leaders that we have, it's because they care. You don't You don't lead a movement. You don't make radical change or take courageous steps forward if you don't care, Yeah. if you're not tuned into your heart. So then I, I like that because I, I, my, my when I first think of masculinity, heart-centered is not the words that come to my mind, although that's totally what it represents. And I think it's what so many of us love and respect and admire about the masculine is that it does have such a deep sense of care that is also paired with purpose and action.
1: Yeah, I think men are deeply passionate. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. That's beautiful, man. Are, are there any other misconceptions about gay men that straight guys tend to have that we just haven't spoken to or bre- breathed life into yet? Mm,
1: that's a great question. Any misconceptions? I, I think that they're, that they can't have a friendship. And I think that so much healing can come from... Having a friendship uh, with a gamer or in a straight man, I think for the straight man, it can teach more about diversity. It can teach more about the the masculine experience and how kind of wide that can be. Mm-hmm. I think for for the gay man, it can really help to kind of heal those wounds, those old traumas, whether that's from you know bullying or, or Father issues and kind of how to deal with society at large. So I, there, I think there's a big healing that can happen when the two come together.
0: Mm, agree. That actually makes me think of a story. I was at a workshop last year, and one of the one of the activities that the facilitator had us do was it was all about intimacy. And he was he was talking about how many different types of intimacy there are, but specifically since this was a men's workshop, how so many men are disconnected from our intimacy and sexuality. We want it, we desire it, and yet we underexpress it or overexpress it or don't express it authentically in one way or another. So he gave us all this teaching and context that led up to this activity where we were in groups of three and he was leading us in an exercise where one person was observing, another one of us was coming onto to the other and, and, and inviting, giving the invitation for intimacy with whatever tools we had available, physical contact, eye contact, our words, our energy, and the other person was receiving. And so as soon as he dialed in and, introduce this activity we were going to do, you see everybody look around because this is a room full of dudes. And most of them, not all, but most of them were straight dudes. And so he knew, obviously this guy knew what he was doing. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, I get it. We're all a bunch of guys here, but if we can't express our our intimacy and our sexual energy to to another man without any expectation of what that's going to become, then we're really not connected to that. Mm. And I was like, wow. And I was really uncomfortable, you know, for all, a lot of the reasons we talked about from my you know, from my past, et cetera. And I just so happened to be in a group of three where one of the guys was gay. Mm -hmm. And I got to express my, you know, give my best version of coming on to him as though he was my wife, using all of my tools and facing off with that edge. And it was just so brilliant because I was still so uncomfortable doing that because I've never had that type of contact with another man. And I never, never desired it. And here I was being said, well, you got to do it anyway. Yeah, (laughs) And, and also seeing how he received that, this, this, my, this guy who was my partner, my, this gay guy, who was trying to let that in. And his, I could see his resistance to really letting me express myself that way to him. So just a really interesting dynamic, but very healing too, because afterwards I was like, wow, that was uncomfortable. Why was that uncomfortable? What do I learn about me? What do I learn about my fellow man here, my brother? And a lot of things to carry forward. Yeah, man, I don't know if that brings up anything for you.
1: Interesting. Yeah, that sounds like a definitely interesting experience. You know, I think there's also the idea that what if this person is going to develop feelings for me, right? I think that may Mm -hmm. be a misconception or, you know, hey, it may happen, but those type of, you know, feelings could happen regardless of your orientation. You could have developed feelings to someone that, you know, either end who is unavailable, right? I mean... It's such a big thing that could happen, but I know for me, one of my best friends since college—he's a straight dude, and I'm gay—and we've had the coolest friendship. And as time has progressed, it's like I—I I forget that there's that difference because we're just—we're just friends. It's just me and Fred. I mean, we're just like mm-hmm. we have fun, and and we we you know we mess around, and we you know, and we have good times, and it's. It's not even an issue anymore. I think once you get past the that kind of distance, and which we were speaking to, in, in that exercise you did, then the barriers just cop, and then you're just you, and it's just the other person, and you just realize, hey, we're we're really the same. You know, we both want we all everybody wants love. You know, we all want to be accepted. Um, we all have the basic human needs.
0: Mm. Yeah, I really like that, man. Uh, let's let's zoom out for a second. So instead instead of the micro, because I think a lot of what we spoke about is how this can impact us as individuals and the relationships we have in our individual lives. But what about on a macro level? If we're looking up, if we're flying up to thirty thousand feet, and we're looking at the benefits, the implications of healing these relationships, the the interaction a- across you know sexual preference lines, across masculine feminine lines, etc. What do you think is possible?
1: I think what's possible is that we move past this collective shadow that a lot of us are in and it just raises all of our energies up. It raises our emotional frequencies up so that we are operating from a place of love and less fear. And I think when we can move into that space of truly living, you know, a heart centered life from that higher. Vibrational frequency of, but I think that's when the magic happens. That's when you can start to manifest things you want. That's when you're more in tune to listen to your inner voice. You know, that's when all of those really cool synchronicities happen in our lives. When we can do that, I I really, I, I believe that.
0: Yeah, and one of my favorite words is curiosity. I think the curiosity is such an important character trait, value to have in this world because there are so many different. Ways we can choose to be and express our our love, our energy, our our truth, and the more walls we put up between those differences, the the less we can actually come to some mutual solutions. You know, the the pro- the same, the problems that we're all facing, the differences we declare and put up walls between with each other, keep us from addressing the problems that we all have. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> right. Like if we, if we can't cry, if we can't figure out how to cross gender lines, how to cross sexual preference lines and racial lines, et cetera, then there's no way we're going to save the planet. There's no way we're going to fix the climate changes or there's no way we're going to fix the, you know, political future, et cetera. So that's how I look at it, that we got to figure out this stuff that, and I don't want to diminish it because I, I see that I often do that in my message and my language too, that why can't we just get past this? Yeah. Realizing that there are is some real, deeply rooted beliefs and culture behind this that we get to to fix and change, yeah. not fix but change, before we can get to the bigger things. Because I'm just like, let's just push all that aside mm-hmm. and get to the stuff that matters. But this matters too. Yeah, this matters too, especially. Anything else that hasn't been said about this topic? Anything? Any other things that we we didn't clear off the table? Uh, obviously, there's always going to be something. But any anything else that comes to mind before we start to wrap it up?
1: I think that. Regardless of what your orientation is, if you're finding that you're having resistance, I would say find your core beliefs, because I think resistance is just negative emotions. So I think when you can find those core beliefs and even those underlying emotions behind those core beliefs, because we think belief right here, you know, and There's ultimately, I think, this deeper underlying belief underneath it, which is a limiting belief. When you can find that core belief and you can face it, I think that's when you can change it. That's when, you know, when I found what my resistance was behind my fear of doing this work around being men, you know, I was able to then and begin to heal those old patterns that I had suppressed. So I would I would find where you're resisting.
0: Yeah, man. So good. I also just want to say that if it hasn't already been clear, that as a, as a straight man, as a man who's facilitating men's work, at least in any spaces that I'm in, is, is an open invitation for anyone who identifies as a man, regardless of where your beliefs lie, regardless of where your preferences lie, you're welcome in any space that I'm in. And, I, and I'll be a stand for that. And I appreciate this conversation because it's helped me to face off with some of my own historical beliefs and and recognizing what's still sticking with me, and also fortifying my position. If you had asked me this six months ago, what's, what's your position with having gay guys in a men's circle? I would have said, I don't even think about that. I've been in, I've been in circles with gay guys, but. Having you stepped into my life and step into the rising man, it's it's given me a greater understanding. And so I'm grateful that you agreed to be on here and have this conversation. Uh, obviously, I know you don't represent all gay men out there. We, we, we declared that already. But just being one, being one gay man who is willing to step forward and step up, I really appreciate that and I appreciate you.
1: Thank you, Jetty. I'm so grateful for what you've created and this container. It's a sacred space you've created. It's just awesome. It's just so awesome. So thank you so much.
0: You got it, brother. Well, you're not off the hook yet. We still got our lightning questions and then find out where you're hanging out at. You ready for that? I'm ready. All right. So what's the one thing that you've learned in your life you wish you knew when you were 18 years old?
1: Always listen to my intuition.
0: Yes, love it what do you think is the most important value to have as a man?
1: I think the most important value that I have found is to operate from your heart center and to be willing to feel everything and speak your truth.
0: Awesome, man. And where can, we didn't even talk about the work that you do in the world. So can you just give us you know a synopsis of what you do, what you offer, how you help people and then where people can find you and connect with you? Sure.
1: I am an intuitive reader and spiritual life coach. And I help people connect back to their intuition so that they can lead a more uh, intuitive and inspired life. And I hang out mostly on Instagram. So people can find me at intuitive, and they can find me also on alexlevyonline.com.
0: Awesome, man definitely go check my bro out here and any of you guys who have heard this interview and you're like oh man I want to get into the fire circles don't hesitate to join us in there too cuz one thing I'm appreciating is just how diverse the fire circles are becoming too we've got guys from all over the world guys who all look different who are different ages it's it's cool man the, the more we get that the more we we strip the differences away and see where we're similar and focus on that so uh Yeah, that's awesome, man. Thank you for being one of those men and for doing what you do in the world and being here and bringing your full heart, your whole heart center to this conversation. I appreciate it. Thank you.
1: I appreciate you, Jetty.
0: I'm glad we finally got this episode on wax and out to the community. I've had a lot of you guys over the years and over the seasons reach out and ask me, how come we haven't had an openly gay man as a guest on the show? And the truth is, is that it's been on my radar for a while. I was just waiting for the right man to come along. And I hold the content we have here on Rising Man as being valid and useful for anyone who identifies as a man. Uh, I've even had transgendered men tell me that they get value out of this podcast. And so it's really made me a value my own definition of a man and how I hold that. And honestly, I was not seeing how important it was to have an openly gay man on the show and sharing his voice. I'm glad we did. I'm glad that it was Alex who we got to have on here first and very interested and open to having more gay men here on the show because I think it's important that we round out this question of what does it mean to be a man with perspectives of many different versions of being a man. So, calling all you guys out there who have men that you think would bring a valuable and different type of perspective to this conversation to hit me up. Let me know who they are. We'll get them on here. For all you guys out there, make sure you go over to risingman.org for show notes with links and resources relevant to this episode and others, as well as links to all of our men's initiations, gatherings, online men's fire circles, and other opportunities to work with us and get deeper into the rising man community wherever you're listening to us please subscribe and follow us if you're on itunes hit that subscribe button and also leave us a rating and a review because we love seeing it we love knowing what you think about the show and also helping us rise those charts because we're starting to make some noise make some waves in the podcast world So thank you guys for doing that. Quick update on the low, we completely flew by the two year anniversary of the Rising Man podcast. Uh, I guess that we're getting old and forgetting that (laughs) we have anniversaries and birthdays over here, but it's been two years. And I'm so grateful that we've been able to create such amazing content, such a great community and contribute to a powerful conversation that's happening on this planet right now. I want to thank all the guests. want to thank all the listeners. want to thank everybody who helped make this possible from the top to the bottom and the bottom to the top. It wouldn't be what it is without any one of you. So from the bottom of my heart, right to yours, thank you so much celebrating this two years. And last time we celebrated one year, I committed to another year of the rising man. So I'm gonna do that right now. Here we go, year number three, coming right at you. We'll be doing Rising Man for at least another year. You heard it here, it's published, put it out there. Let's bring in some powerful men this year. Let's keep going up and up and up, all right? Make sure you check us out on Instagram, at Rising Man Movement. Go like us up, go share it, send that content over to your homies so we can keep this Rising Man wave going, as well as checking us out on YouTube at youtube.com slash the Rising Man Movement is where you can see all the Monday morning meditation videos that we've been making for the past several weeks. Go check it out. Shout outs to my Rising Man power team who are responsible for so much of what happens here in Rising Man. You guys don't get to see what these men are doing you guys hear my voice all the time and see my face often, but Rowan Tyne, Sean Offenbach, Julian Subic, Ryan Wilcox, and Mark Rose, you guys are doing some incredible work. I'm also going to mention my my bros, Phil Gomez and Sean Berry, the other two members who, who are out in the trenches with me when we're doing our Compass four-day vision fasts and Call the Warrior events and helping out in the Rising Man fire circles as well. I really appreciate you, men. Thank you so much for believing in this mission and signing up to be a part of it. Thank you and for all you listeners out there. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for contributing, sending me those quick messages. You don't even know how much they mean to me, but on those nights where I'm freezing my butt off, recording these introductions for interviews and episodes at midnight or beyond, it's those messages that make it easy for me to commit to another year. So thank you. Keep them coming until next time, rise up and claim your destiny.